This is Sazim Kohler, and this is Microphones of Madness. Hey everybody, Saturday night, Microphones of Madness. It is October 29th, 2016, part two of our spooktacular. Tonight we will be discussing The Rose Garden by Imar James. I never promised you that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I beg your pardon. Um, so yeah, Mr. James was a, a English writer, British writer. Montague Rhodes. Montague Rhodes. Yes. There's actually a uh, very good documentary uh, published on YouTube about Mr. James. I'm going to include in the description of this video. Right Mr. James. Now, we're doing this on uh, the weekend before Halloween. Halloween is Monday. Uh, but M.R. James wrote ghost stories to be uh, told around Christmas time, as is the tradition in Britain. Um, Which is strange for us Yanks. I, I think it's strange for us because, you know, we think of Halloween, we think of the autumnal quality. Um, but if, if you really think about a ghost story, the dead of winter is the perfect time. You know, they kind of get in your head a little bit. You got thick cloud cover absorbing all the sound. You're walking home. Um, the nights are dark. Everything's bleak. Everything's bleak. All the, you know, everything's dead. There's like an hour of sunlight. Mm -hmm. You know, and, and you've heard a good ghost story and, uh, you're walking home and a cold breeze cuts through your coat. You know, you, you might think something supernatural is going on. Maybe maybe more so than uh, when it's 68 degrees. <laughs> and the kids are like, I'm hot and I want to get out of the costume. It wasn't always 68 degrees in Halloween. Yeah, it wasn't always, but... The realities of the modern age. Well, Christmas um, Carol is a ghost story. Yeah, Christmas Carol is straight up horror story. I suppose. I mean, the man the man is tormented for throughout Christmas Eve by a quartet of spirits. One of them being the specter of death itself. Yeah, I I guess. I mean, just Christmas is a horrible time anyway, so. Right, and you know it, it. It doesn't get considered as a horror story because it's Charles Dickens, and it's a great literary classic. No, it's a fucking horror story. But we're not here to talk about Charles Dickens. We're here to talk about M.R. James, Mr. James, and the Rose Garden. Now, this is a very short story. Yeah. Um, what did it turn out to be? Like sixteen pages, something yeah, like that. Yeah. It takes like a half hour to read. Yeah. About a half hour to read. Um, now, the horror in this story is very subtle. Much it's like... Blink and you miss it. Yeah, kind of. Blink and you miss it. Uh, the, the, actual, the actual, like, bang on, here's the ghost moment. Right. The bang on, here's a ghost moment is actually only, what, like two, three sentences? <laughs> yeah, and you're just kind of like, wait, what just happened? 
<laughs> yep. I had to go back and read it again just, just to make sure I read what I had read. Just to make sure Guy Fox was there. <laughs> That's right. You know, fucking V for Vendetta. <laughs> now, the story deals with, with a well-off couple uh, just purchased an estate uh, from another family. Uh, the lady of the house is doing some work in the gardens, uh, trying to bring it back to its former glory, I suppose, or, right. or improve its glory. She's the protagonist of this. Yes. She's the protagonist. Um, also... Which apparently was uh, odd for James. What, to have a female protagonist? Yes. Mm. Kind of stands out a little bit. Now... This this particular couple live a life of leisure. Yes. Or leisure, as it Lots of golf. <laughs> yeah, their idea of a busy afternoon is um, have the manservant clear some crap away, and I'm going to go draw the church on the property. Right. You can go play some golf. Go to Malden, and then you can play golf. Right. Go handle my affairs because I need things to sell at my stall in the flea market. Right. <laughs> and then you may then you may go and play around at play around at the links. The the husband here, I forgot his name. Henry. No, I think it's Henry. Uh yes. Henry, Henry, Henry. Yeah, the characters themselves are rather forgettable. He is a stereotypical henpecked husband. Mm-hmm. Yes, dear. Yes, no, dear. dear. No, dear. Yes, he's he's very he's very henpecked. Um, you know, you've got the the manservant comes in and he's just like, "Yes, sir," right away, sir. But um. If I do it that way, sir, it won't get done this afternoon if you want it done right. Yeah. And stuff like that. The whole problem starts when the wife asks the husband to go down, take the manservant with him, and have him clear out the seats and a post at the site of her new rose garden. Right. And the site is not Nobody but her thinks that this site is a good place to put a rose garden. Mm-hmm. Um, it's in the shade. Well, there you go. It's in the shade. Yeah, it's in, it's in the shade. She has to uh, do a lot of cutting back of uh, the hedges and things like this. I mean, as a matter of fact, she, he, he uh, Henry, I think it's Henry. Mm-hmm. She's married. Um, he says, well, when she t- talks about her rose garden, he gives two alternate uh, sites. Is it this place or is it that place that you're going to do it on? And she's like, no, silly. We talked about doing it here. So, I mean, there's right. definitely other places on the grounds where they can have a rose garden. Mm-hmm. But she has, she has to have it there. Right. She has to have it there. Also, uh, James breaks his narration briefly uh, to uh, inform us that she is not the gardener that she thinks she is. 
<laughs> and and actually breaks the narration in such a way where the narrator refers to himself. And it, it was a rather interesting little like a side within the within the story. Right. The story is like one of those um third person from the point of view of whoever's doing the talking. Mm-hmm. And and yeah, there's there's this little um, bit where he, he just doesn't has an aside. Deus ex. Now uh, now he used to read these stories before his before a club at the university. Uh, so that's perhaps uh, more a hint that the story was meant to be spoken. Right. Interesting. Now, right. so they go. They, Collins and Henry, or Mr. Yeah, Collins, yes. they they go down and to the site of the old. It was the old summer house, mm-hmm. which <laughs> the wife did not believe was that that was actually the case. Right. right, and there's some rotten benches in the post, mm-hmm. and Collins says, "Well, we could we could get rid of the." The benches, no problem. They're rotten. Do that right now. Blink and they'll be done. But the post is in there really, really tight. And it's going to take some doing to get done. Right. So to speak. And you can totally see the conflict with, the, with Henry going, yeah, but she wants it done now. <laughs> That's very, very bad. Very bad. Yeah. <laughs> Um, Only bad things can happen if you don't get this done. It's true. It's true. But and and all of this, and you know, this this day to day activity here, really kind of just you know is is a lot of filler, a lot of setup. You know, these people are they're living this lifestyle. This is what they do. Um, it's country life. It's country life for, this is for kind the of like if, if fabulously wealthy. If yes. Or Genesis wrote a horror story. This is what it would be like. This would be the entire side A of the album. But I mean, it's very. And it would consist of a single song. It's very English, very green, idyllic. Mm-hmm. And so they're working on this. Collins, of course, you know he's digging. He's digging on this hole, trying to get this post up. The same day, but he falls ill suddenly. Um, one afternoon, I think the next day, while uh, the lady of the house. No, it's the same day. Oh, she, the same day. She's uh, drawing the church, and her her friend, the, ah. the previous owner, mm-hmm. pops pops in because she's leaving town. Just want yeah. to have one last look at the place because she is going to miss it. And I do love what you've done with the grounds. You've you've made it even better. Right. Let me show you where my new rose garden will be. Takes her to the spot. She says, oh, I'm so happy you brought me here. You know, something really strange happened at this particular spot when we were kids. Right. <laughs> and so we get the story. I believe her name was uh, Mrs. Wilkins. I believe you are right. She begins telling the story of 
going to fetch her younger brother for tea. Miss, Miss Wilkins. Miss Wilkins. I'm Miss sorry. Wilkins. Sorry. Yeah, she's, uh, um, probably why they had to. She sell goes to fetch her brother for tea. Finds her in the finds him in the in the summer house. I believe the summer house was still standing. It was in disrepair at the time. Uh, sleeping on one of the benches. Wakes up with a start. Um, they go home. Everything's hunky dory. He has a bit of a rough night sleeping. Sometime later, he tells the story of the dream he was having at the time, where he was on trial and going to be executed and. And the dream follows along from the trial itself, and up until the point he walks onto, onto the gallows. And so, our our Mister what, what was his name? William Henry 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 Henry. Yeah, these. Yeah, I. There is there is no one to I really identify with in this story. <laughs> well, there is if you're upper middle class uh, British man. But for a manservant to an upper middle class British man. Which I am neither. So that that was one of my issues with the story was really, you know, it's like, do I really care about what happens to these kids? Come on, yeah, get with the killing! Well, the thing is, though, <laughs> well, we'll talk about this later because at how this story stands in the pantheon of weird fiction. Right. So Henry, having gone to the site to check up on it to see, never had. What's that? <laughs> Comes back. Oh dear, I'm tired. I'm going to have a lie down. Uh, at night, the grounds appear to be plagued by owls and their voices <laughs> in the hedges. What the actual hell? Right, it was like owls, random owls, random owls. I guess Hogwarts Express or something. Possibly, there's a possibility that owls might have had more of a sinister uh, meaning back then than an owl does now. Right. Well, I mean, owls are nocturnal. We have an understanding of owls these Mm -hmm. days that perhaps, unless you were part of the royal society, and it's Owl enthusiast, you might be superstitious about creatures. Hmm. Perhaps, perhaps. They are nocturnal and yes. you know, nocturnal creatures and they make weird screaming noises and right. things like that. Well, take like it's like the whipper whirls in uh Dunwich Harbor. Mm-hmm. Where like I I read that and go, BFD, it's whipper whirls. <laughs> Somebody reading it back then. Would go, oh, that's pretty freakish. Right. Because those freaky birds and their superstition that is attached to those birds that we don't have today because, you know, we're we're enlightened. Yes. We're, we're post racial and all that shit. That's big sarcasm right there. Sarcasm, Mark. Um, so, yeah, while these, these mysterious voices in the hedges, the and the owls. when I read that, I was thinking of the Futurama movie with <laughs> owl exterminators. <laughs> I, she wanted something done about them the next day. She should have called Mom's Owl Exterminators. That's right. Now, 
while this is going on, this experience with the lady of the house, um, Henry is having a dream, a rather bizarre nightmare. And he's talking to her about it over breakfast, and she keeps filling in these little details because Ms. Miss Wilkins and Hen Miss Wilkins' brother and Henry have had the same dream. No. Which yes. they immediately which they immediately just blow off completely. Right. Oh wow, the same dream. Hmm. Uh-oh. He, they didn't even go into oh. maybe I ate something odd at the club. Yeah, you didn't go <laughs> drinking at the at the at that club. You didn't. You didn't like uh, after you're done with the back nine. You didn't. Yeah. have a couple of brandies. And you know, and just also, there was also the part where and he was saying such rude things to me. He's like, "Oh, spare me the trip to the links, dear." <laughs> <laughs> I've. The boy, it was all the boys, you know, it was a boys' club. He was egg on. Yeah. And so George Trump would never say stuff like that outside of that situation. Right. So so you have this you have this 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 guy has the same dream as another guy from some point in the past. From like eighty years ago. Eight yeah, some distant past portion of their lives. Probably more like fifty, but yeah. Yeah. But you know, both of both of these instances were triggered by a trip to the future site of the Rose Garden. Well, here's the thing: the first dream, the fifty years ago dream, mm-hmm. um, the kid, Mister Wilkins or Wilson or whatever, <clears throat> had that by the post, mm. and his father um, hurt, found out about the dream and tore the summer house down and just left the post there. Right. And talk in the village. Ooh. But they never found out what exactly it was about because their parents died soon after that right. incident. Mm-hmm. Now the post has been removed. Yes. And the gardener gets sick. Mm-hmm. And Mr. Um, Mr. Henry has the same dreams mm-hmm. away from where the site is because the post has been removed. Right. Still, no big deal. It's just completely blown off. Yeah. But they, yeah, they don't. They don't talk about like all these things that they know. They know about all this stuff. Because it's from their point of view. It's not like it's an omniscient narrator and there's no correlating the contents because they are the contents. Right. These things happen and uh, and they just nope. kind of happen. They happen. Nope. No, one, no one chalks it up to even coincidence. Nope. It's not a big deal. Not related to anything. Just get rid of the apples. Oh, you're thinking I'm going to be a. You're going to think I'm psychic or something, but uh, this part happens next, doesn't it? Yes. How do you know? Well, it seems you're having the same dream as as the former occupants of the house fifty years ago. That doesn't freak you out. No, we're British. That does not. No, that 
doesn't freak okay. me out one bit. I think, I think I'm, I'm going to have a bit of corn golfing. That's right. I'm going to go down to the club. I'm going to drink a cognac and play a play the back nine. Play the back nine with George. The Randolphs are in town, you know. <laughs> um. So finally, what ends up happening is, uh, yeah. well, they they scour the grounds to see if the voices left um, any mess because they thought they were vandals. Oh yes, the ghostly voices better not have messed up my hedges. And everything is fine until until after a. Another day of sketching the church. The light goes behind the hills. It becomes evening. And she walks, is walking back to the house, following the path which leads her to the rose garden. By the very bushes, she plans on uprooting. That's right. In, she sees something that looks like a... A bustle fifth. in your hedgerow. A fifth of November mask. <laughs> like looks again. Right. And she looks again and it's a fucking man's face. That was like the big whoa moment. Yes. And it was kind of like I, I was like, is that a guy fox mask? <laughs> and then right. I was like, how why is that scary? It was just a guy's face in the hedge, and then it faded back into the hedge. Mm -hmm. But, you know, that type, type of shit ain't supposed to be there. Right. So... Unless it was shit ain't supposed to be there, but kind of weak. Well, you know, not really for that subdued kind of horror, because she got, she blows off the, the, the coincidental dreams. Well, it did, it did freak her out enough that she had to go on holiday. That's right. She went. She went away on holiday after she saw that because she got the fuck out of there, ran up to the house. Uh, you know, I'm sure. I mean, hell, if that happened to me, if I was just kind of walking in from, you know, after dark from a day at work, and I look over and I, you know, think I see something, I look over and there's a fucking face in the bush, you know, by my sidewalk. Sorry, that would be work. Work. I, I mean, don't know what you mean. She's not at the bazaar, is she? No, she she doesn't work. But same same basic situation, I suppose. But, you know, I'm sketching. I'm on my way back from sketching. A lovely church. It was a beautiful, beautiful sunset. Don't be don't be don't be bagging on artists now. You know, Lily will shank you. There's plenty of reasons for Lily to shank me without bagging on. Old, crusty, English, upper-middle-class artists. And once once we get the, the, the freak-out moment, the two, three sentences, whatever it was, of the big, spooky thing... Hold on, I will find it because it's kind of really... Well, then, you know, then we get the, uh, the Scooby-Doo reveal of what happened. Uh, but they, it wasn't a Scooby Doo. Well, it wasn't it was really a like Scooby. A... Yeah, it was the reveal where they go back and they tell you they don't just leave it hanging there with the the moment of terror. They go back and tell you what 
what it was. Right. Oh, here we go. I have it. Hmm. Then she passed on between the dark box bushes, and at a point just before the path debouched upon the lawn, she stopped once again and considered the quiet evening landscape and made a mental note that that must be the tower of one of the roofing churches that one caught on the skyline. Then a bird, perhaps, rustled in the box bush on her left, and she turned and started and started at seeing what at first she took to be a fifth of November mask peeping out among the branches. She looked closer. It was not a mask. It was a face, large, smooth, and pink. She remembers the minute drops of perspiration which were starting from its forehead. She remembers how the jaws were clean-shaven and the eyes shut. She remembers also, and with an accuracy, which makes the thought intolerable to her, how the mouth was open and a single tooth appeared below the upper lip. As she looked, the face receded into the darkness of the bush. The shelter of the house was gained and the door shut before she collapsed. Yes. And there you have it, ladies and gentlemen. We just spoiled the uh, it was pink. The big scare. <laughs> sweaty and pink. <laughs> it's a sweaty pink face in my bushes. I, th- I swear, I thought it was a Guy Fox mask. Oh, I had the vapors. All right. Even even as much as we're riffing on that moment, you know that. If it were to happen to us in 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 real life, that would be freaky as shit. It, it would be. It's like I guess that is the 1911 version of a jump scare. I uh, more than likely because if it were film, that would be the jump scare, right? But you'd have high pitched violins, and then a scene right before that with a cat running out in front of you to prep you mm-hmm. for the jump right. scare. Right, or so an actual owl. Like, so you'd be on edge waiting for the jump scare. Mm-hmm. Speaking of jump scares, Logan is, like, trying to get my attention. He likes to hide behind things and pop out at you. He likes jump scares. Oh, he loves jump scares. He doesn't like getting them, but he likes giving them. Now, after this happens, then the lady of the house goes on holiday to recuperate from the jump scare. And, I mean, you know, that must be a very rattling thing, you know, Give, have to go away for a while. I mean, hell, like, they, they always fucking now I have to go to Florida. You know, really, <laughs> I watched Alien and now I have to go to Florida. Um, but also you have you have this this you know this um scene where the narrator speaking as if after that happened, everybody got the fuck out of this house. And and um, Henry does a little bit of research. Right. He starts doing a little bit of research, finds out that the summer house on the property was once the, the retirement residence for a uh, particularly cruel chief justice. Yes, it was Sir Blank, Lord Chief Justice, under yes. Charles II. Sir Blank. You don't want to actually make it a real character. Well, not that, well yeah, you don't want to reference anybody and i think this is where you see um james's medieval scholarship coming through Mm -hmm. where he probably has somebody in mind who right 
who has that disposition and probably that reputation, but does not want to name names because, oh my God, why just besmirch our history? Never. Right. Or, or the, the end result of that person's life didn't actually occur anywhere near this area. Right. Although he only gives vague geographical references to where we are. Well, we're in Essex somewhere, somewhere within, within a few hours um, reach of Malden. So, so really the mystery of the story is not in the, the, um, the haunting itself. It's in the identity of the ghost. Right. Because, because he only gives you little breadcrumbs of clues. You know, you're in Essex. They describe the burial. They describe, you know, what the guy's occupation was and his reputation and left his name blank. Well, and so, even even during the story, when mm-hmm. when you have uh, the dreams, which are your big clue, are, right. are what happens in the dreams, they're from the point of view of the uh, the guy who got railroaded. Right. To which the the uh, uh, what, this guy, Sir Sir Blankety Blank's retirement was from disgrace because he was uh, sending people to the gallows who didn't who were innocent. Right, so, and uh, something that he regretted later. So you you have, I was thinking that this is some some like criminal's ghost, and mm-hmm. he, on the gallows he cursed the ground. Right, and and so that's why you're having these these uh, dreams because mm-hmm. you're gonna get you're gonna get possessed by this guy and end up on the gallows like in your dreams and die. Right, right. And they also kind of like want to allude uh, or um, imply that the post may have something to do with the gallows itself. And, and that's that, what I thought. I thought when you removed right. when you removed the uh, the gallows, mm-hmm. that was like pulling the plug, and now the haunting could take place all over the place. Right. Which it turns out that it did. Yes, but for the different reasons. Right. For different reasons. But yeah, the the uh, one of the vicars relays the story of how similar events were happening all over the town in various little spots here and there. Right. And then all of a sudden they stopped. Um. Yeah. So, what did you think? I mean, you know, it's it's a classic. James is considered to be one of the greats of uh, ghost stories. I can um, see where a lot of this um, is influenced in the stuff that I normally read. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see how you have like events in the past that are um, out, unresolved, I guess, maybe. Right. Though that's not really the right word. Regrettable events in the past mm-hmm. are so powerful that they're they're affecting uh, the present. Yes. Well, you know, the unfinished business is uh, one of the things people attribute to modern day haunting phenomena. Right. So you know, um, this is this is just that. I mean, there's a certain realism to to uh, James's ghost stories. Yeah, this isn't one of those 
we were talking about last week where you have these stories where well last week's story itself is it a ghost story is it just a guy going crazy this mm. is definitely ghosts right this and it's one of those there's no question about it you're haunted mm-hmm and you are, it, it's framed as any other, you know, actual, quote unquote, actual paranormal investigation that I've read about where it's this like almost singular incident. And pretty much the investigation aspect is simply recording it. Right. You know, and for the, the annals. It's very, very matter of fact. There's not a lot of um, emotion. No. In, in the telling. Um it's, it reminds me, well, I guess it should, a lot of like Great God Pan, where everything mm-hmm. is very matter of fact. This is what happened, and this is how it happened. And even though there are strange and horrific things, we are not going to let them overwhelm the telling of what happened. Right. Just the facts. Joe right. Friday is the narrator in all of these stories. Yeah. Um, yeah, now. No, no judgment. Now, that's like the difference between this. And uh, Oliver Onions from last week, right. Onions was judging the fuck out of the main character mm-hmm. throughout the whole story. Yes. And this was just, this had none of that. This was very detached. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess maybe a little humor in the banter between. Oh yeah, he's henpecked. <laughs> oh. Yeah, a little, little, little back and forth there. You know, the relationship between the husband and the wife. You know, very. You know, the henpecked husband, and you know these very stereo these archetypal stereotypical characters right um and yeah there's probably a little bit you know humor into this story and then you know it just kind of goes on goes on it's it's not like a beckoning fair one where there's a progression of the madness and a, a ratcheting up of the strange events right um we have the coincidental dream and then we have the big scare and that's it. It's really yeah. just kind of two moments. And then like a coda that kind of tells you what happened. Right. Right. The, the, um, you know, the, the explanation the parlor room scene, if it were a mystery where they, that's right. Expose the butler did it. Right. <clears throat> so yeah, very, very different sort of stories and, um, not the, it, it wasn't. It wasn't really even heavy on the foreboding atmosphere. There have been other James stories that have more of the atmosphere. Totally um, foreboding about the English manner. Absolutely nothing. Uh, he's, the mesotent. If well, you've read, I mean, well, you know, I, have I, you read that one? Like, no. Well, I mean, there could be something foreboding. You can have like a House of Usher kind of affair. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying there isn't. I'm saying in this one, that's why I said it was like a genesis. Right, right. Song because it's very idyllic. And yes, something creepy happens. Right. And, you know, I, I'm, no I'm, bringing, right. I'm bringing that up simply to, um, you know, that, yeah, this is not a, this is not really a story that you can, you can't generalize James's writing just based on this story. Right. Um, but this is a really quick read. This is kind of a campfire thing. Um, you know, like you said, it took about 30 minutes for you to read it. Um, yeah, and I can see this, you know, sitting around in a, in a dark room, candlelight, stuff like that. You tell this story and, 
you do kind of get a little bit of a creepy get a little creeped out have a flashlight in front of your face and then when yeah. the face comes through the head you click it on and it was pink and faded away right that, that sort of storytelling and you know that can be effective i mean reading it after the fact um no not really you know you read it it's broad daylight outside you really don't get the whole thing I, you know i think a lot of you know the James stories that I've read really should be uh, narrated. They should be told orally in a proper setting. Um, yes, yeah, almost kind of like the they're trying to play right. Almost like they're they they want the you want the immersion when you're when you're reading this story. Like like if you're playing Call of Cthulhu or you're playing Dungeons and Dragons or whatever. You kind of want a little bit of the immersion. You want a little bit of the creepy atmosphere in the room with you. And then you tell the story. It would actually probably make a pretty cool episode of The Twilight Zone or mm -hmm. uh, The Outer Limits or something like that. Right. Or or any type of like paranormal type of television show. Um you know, it's like it's 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 the cold open for a Constantine episode. <laughs> yeah, and that's you know that's what it is. But still, you know, classic ghost story. Um, happy Halloween, everyone! Whoa. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I think we're gonna we should cut it off there. We've gone through the entire story, our little analysis of it. And uh, what are we doing next week? Next week is Luke Cage, correct? Yes. Yes, we'll be discussing the Netflix series Luke Cage based on the Marvel comic. The uh, superhero show that broke the internet. Yeah. So, yeah, sure join did. us. Uh, yeah. And Red Velvet Requiem artist and Monday Night Heroes cast Stop. member Lily Dickey may be joining us for that. She'll be joining us. <laughs> Pardon me. So, yeah, that'll be 9.30 next Saturday night. Uh, Monday Night Heroes. Is there a Halloween edition of Monday Night Heroes this week, um, Steve? There's talk of, there's talk of, of a time to harvest. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so, yeah, probably. We'll see. All right. Don't hold me yeah. to it, but yeah. It'll be some sort of Cthulhu-esque. Shindig. Yeah. If not, well, or maybe we can play Slasher Flick. Or Slasher Flick or something, yeah. It'll yeah. be scary. Very scary. The, the Monday Night Heroes Spooktacular. That's right. We'll just keep it rolling. That's right. <laughs> so, until next week, say goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. Goodnight, Gracie. <laughs> uh -huh.